Hello, I'm Michael Barr. And I'm Scott Soshnick. Every week at this time, plus Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. Okay, I am a fantasy sports geek, so I am so happy about this. Today's show, we have Jason Robbins, founder and CEO of DraftKings. But first, let's take a look at the top stories of the week. Joining us, as always, is Bloomberg Business of Sports reporter Evan Novi williams And let's start with the story that Uncle you are connected Evan with. Uncle Evan williams You know what? I'm sorry. Uncle Eben I got I got to put the unky in there. You're right. Uncle Eben Congratulations. Thank you. Mazel tov. Shout number out one. to young Oscar Crosby. Yeah. Uh, five pounds, 10 ounces. Yeah, but here, people hear Oscar Crosby, they're going to think that's the middle name Crosby. We're, we're still your mother. Let what? How? I mean, does she listen to the podcast? <laughs> she does not listen to the All podcast. All right. She's very difficult. <laughs> Nita Novi <laughs> is extremely. She's, she's, she's she was a lovely, on. She was a, a Broadway woman. actress. She's very difficult. Scott is going in. I know, I know. So, oh. hey, bring it, Nita. So, I think Eben may say, like, I could definitely take her. Like, I, it would be a fun match. It'd be a fun match yeah. if we're out to dinner we screaming should, match. We should call the zone. And I, I, take, yeah, this is sell tickets on, on this one. Nita regularly gets thrown out of restaurants for being too loud, has a few too many sips. You know, it's just, she's difficult. <laughs> so, she wants, her maiden name was Novi, thus the Eben Novi Williams. She won out on that one. She wants the middle name of the grandchild to now be Novi, and we'll see if that we'll see if that happens. Huh. Uh, I would I would suspect that she will get her way. I would have, <laughs> having <laughs> seen if, having if, if having the, experienced her if for previous for performance years. is any indicator of the future. She will get her way. Yes, man. Yep. <laughs> But uh, the m- mom and son uh, both happy and healthy. Um, so no, that's cool. There you go. That's that cool. What's going to be the first thing you're going to buy your nephew? Oh, just all the candy in the world. I'm going to spoil this candy. Kid. What are you talking spoil about? This candy. Kid I'm going to spoil him rotten. <laughs> but that's you know, candy. Like his teeth. Well, what yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> How many years? I mean, you're going to get something Do before kids that. Kids not like candy anymore. Kids, he was just born. What are you going to get in the first week, two, three, oh, five? I, mean, I don't know. Jackson, a football, Jaguars a Jaguars onesie. Yeah. There you go. Oh, man. Let's start with a story that, Evan, which is a downer because we thought the NFL was popular. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> it's not making as much money as we once thought. Oh, the NFL is in a, Wait, in a sure weird position. I'm not sure that's what the story said. Yeah, I mean, they're making, they're making they're more making money plenty than of money. ever. That, and that's kind of the weird position they're in, in that you know, business is booming for the NFL, uh, but there are so many headwinds. You know, there's concussion concerns. There's concerns about the making the game safer and the effect that's going to have on penalties being thrown. There's... Ratings are going down. Who knows what the next round of media negotiations are going to look like? Uh, it's become trendy uh, to hate on the NFL, and yet valuations are at an all-time high. Ad buy is at an all-time high. Basic revenue is at an all-time high. Uh, it's kind of hard to reconcile the two sides, the the two faces of the NFL in 2018. So how can they make more money than ever before? And life supposedly stinks. Yeah, that's the that's the great question. And you know, the President Trump has weighed in as well. And and there, he he's been uh, he hasn't been secretive about his opinions. Colin Kaepernick's uh, his protest right. and and the discussion around that. There's there's so many ways in which people are arguing that they're turning away from the NFL. However, we just haven't seen it yet. Let's talk about the luxury tax and the Yankees. Oh my goodness! For the first time. They're since under it's inse- the threshold since its inception i never the, thought we'd say i this. never thought we'd say oh. that, that the washington nationals and red sox are taxpayers 
The New York Yankees are not. And that's what you get when you get a bunch of young guys like Aaron Judge and and Torres. A uh, judgey and tax. Yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, okay, I'm sorry, Mr. Sterling. I'm just gonna pretend that didn't even happen. <laughs> but when you when you're not going out and signing the uh, the free agent du jour flavor of the month to some mega contract, hello Mark Teixeira. Um, this is what happens. And credit to the young Steinbrenner. They they're still one of the best teams in the league. And they're they're still one of the more exciting teams. A competitive there championship was, contender. There was a huge bat on the market last year. They went out and got it. You know, they're still paying money. They're still bringing stars. I wonder if they're stars. happy about that now. <laughs> I wonder if they're like, hmm. <laughs> However, they're doing it in a much more... Because there's uh, another bat coming on the market. Financially conservative way. Hello, Bryce, Bryce Harper. Harper. I yeah. mean, there's a lot of bats. They, yeah. He's not alone. This yeah, is but a he's big, a star. Yankees like stars. Yankees like stars. You do Bryce one, Harper and pinstripes? Oof. You do wonder if this will eventually be a trivia question. What was the one year in which the Yankees ended up below the yeah. uh, below the luxury tax? Hey, we got to give a shout out to the U.S. Open winner, Naomi Osaka. Because she just picked up a three-year Nissan endorsement. So we're giving her the shout-out for the endorsement and not winning the tournament? Well, we did that. Oh, so a second shout-out. Yeah, she she deserves all of this. Because no. it got all overshadowed with the Serena Williams controversy. But she won the whole thing. So she wins. She had plenty of endorsements before. If, if the U.S. audience maybe didn't know her, there's a lot of money to be made in Asia. And she was certainly making it. The fact that she now wins a Grand Slam tournament. Yeah, guess what? She'll get more. Oh, man, you talk about poop. How many endorsements do you have? I have Mil- one. Multi-million. You endorse me every week, Bar. Well, I know. Well, I love you, man. So, well, anyway. Uh, <laughs> well, those are some of our topics for this week's show. And now for our interview. And Scott Ebenovi williams will be joining us. Yes, Michael. It's always good to have another sports enthusiast who, well, sometimes knows what he's talking about. Uh, Jason Robbins is the chief executive officer of DraftKings the innovative sports tech entertainment platform. It does change the way consumers around the world are engaging and consume sports. He co-founded the company in 2012, oversees the strategy and operations, drives the funding, the partnerships, and he has built a reputation for expanding the company's reach across platforms, lots of partnerships among them, Major League Baseball, National Hockey League, the NFL, and Bar's favorite, NASCAR. Darn tootin', Scott. It's that time of the year. All the sports, especially the NFL, is a young season that's starting. Fantasy sports is strong. Jason Robbins, thanks for joining us. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Let's start, first of all. Now, I am a fantasy sports geek. I I totally admit it. Uh, I had a little poor weekend for week one. But that's another story right now in the NFL. (laughs) But uh, fantasy sports, where do you see it today and where do you see its future going? Uh, fantasy sports today, I mean, there's tens of millions of people playing. It's a, a game that people enjoy free. They pay. They, you know, just it's fun to play no matter what form you're playing in. And I think over time, just as every industry evolves, there'll be new and more exciting things you can do in fantasy sports. The technology will enable, and in maybe some cases, new laws will enable. Uh, I think fantasy sports is going to be a part of American culture for many years to come. Also, the future of fantasy sports compared to fan to sports betting. Now, those are those are two Goliaths that's going to clash head to head. Where do you see that and that battle going? 
I view them as pretty complementary. I mean, I think much the same way fantasy drives consumption of, of the content, the NFL and baseball and basketball and other sports games. Uh, I think that in, in the same way, fantasy and betting drive interest in, in consumption of each other because once you've done your homework, it's more interesting to be able to find different ways to put that knowledge to the test. And um, I think, you know, over time, of course, there's there's only so much money to be spent. So as more types of products come out, there's going to be some cannibalization. But at least for the foreseeable future, I think the, the more interest there is in fantasy, the better it is for sports betting and vice versa. So for listeners out there who, who don't live in New Jersey and might not know, DraftKings, which spent most of its uh, life as a company so far in daily fantasy, is now also branching out into sports betting. You're obviously hindered by which states come online and when. Uh, but as you look five years down the line, let's say, uh, do you see the, the betting portion becoming a bigger piece of your business than the daily fantasy portion? How many states does it take until the bigger piece of your revenue pie is betting versus DFS? I think it's going to take probably about five to ten significantly sized, uh, meaning you know medium to large sized states. Uh, which I don't think at all is is out of uh, the realm of reason to happen in the next couple of years. Um, and then those markets have to develop. Uh, they're not going to be built overnight. But, you know, the fact of the matter is that while fantasy gets, uh, it does a tremendous job of pulling in a lot of users, the, the way the game is structured makes it hard to, to offer as many different types of ways to play as you can with a traditional betting product. And I think for that reason, you're going to see, um, you know, people are, are able to spend more and, and do more on the sports betting side. And I also think it can appeal to a more casual and mainstream uh, person that doesn't necessarily want to put in as much time as it might take to construct a fantasy roster. But we're also counteracting that by coming up with new and simpler ways to play fantasy, too. So um, I think those audiences will very much continue to overlap. A lot of people learned about what DraftKings was when when you and rival FanDuel kind of went on dueling advertising blitzes back in 2015. Uh, I've seen the ads, on, you know, for commuters in in New Jersey. Uh, what can we expect from you guys from a from an advertising standpoint as you get deeper and deeper into states? Are there are there lessons that you guys learned from 2015? Is this a totally different animal? Well, I think that in 2015. There is a very different dynamic than exists today. One, um, you know, both uh, DraftKings and FanDuel had national products. So the ability to buy advertising at scale was far different than in a state-by-state situation, which is what it looks like sports betting is going to be. Um, Secondly, uh, I think that at the time there was a very significant impact on building our brands that uh, really isn't necessary as much anymore. We have to obviously continue to invest in, in, in the brand, so we, we will do that. But, um, you know, I think that a lot of that money, you know, the good news is that we, we got a lot of value out of it. it. It created a very strong amount of brand awareness, very recognizable brand for us. So I think we feel like we, we can spend a bit more moderately now and still get the same effect as we did in 2015. We are chatting with Jason Robbins, the CEO of DraftKings, and Jason, I got to say kudos to the NJT advertising because I'm nose, you know, I'm what a week into my New Jersey residency now, and I got plenty of time on my hands sitting on those trains that never move. So, <laughs> I, you know, why not open up the app? I'm geolocated in New Jersey. What's the game tonight? What do I feel like betting on? But here's this for you: 
What do you tell the leagues? What do your analytics tell you about engagement? How do you go to the leagues and say, we're actually great for you? I think they know it, but what do those analytics say? What, what's the evidence, uh, the tangible evidence that, that fantasy and betting is good for pro sports? I think that there's been a number of, of studies done that show that people are far more likely to consume content. And I don't mean just watching the games. That's obviously a big part of it, but also you know, reading up on uh, stats, um, you know, watching analytics shows and, and uh, you know, talk radio and things like that. Um, people are clearly more interested if they're playing fantasy and betting. They're more interested in a wider variety of teams and players and not just necessarily their hometown teams and, and favorite players. So um, there's just a mountain of evidence on that. And I think you're right. They know that. We don't have to prove it to them. Um, I think there's also a question, especially on the betting front, of you know how do you best do it in a way that maximizes those benefits and, and doesn't create any downsides that could occur. And um, the leagues are being very thoughtful about that, which is a good thing. Uh, but everybody recognizes the benefit. There's no question about that. And I think you know at this point it's more about how to do it in the right way and, and less debate about whether there's any benefit that's unquestionable at this point. And yet we hear so much about TV ratings, especially the NFL, down week one, up. Is that a fair measurement these days of interest in a particular sport or TV broadcast? Uh, they're talking out-of-home viewership. just seems it's not capturing the real interest. How would you suggest measuring the audience for sporting events? Well, I don't know that I have the answer to how to measure the audience for sporting events. It's a complicated question, but I do agree with you that when media consumption habits are changing, meaning the way people are doing it is changing, then probably traditional measures need to evolve with it. And um, using the same thing isn't going to tell the real story. So I absolutely buy into that. I think that it stands to reason that while sports has been the least disrupted because there's still that need to watch it live, the fact of the matter is that more people are cutting the cord, more people are consuming things via different means. So that's going to hit everything. Um, and in sports is no different. And it doesn't mean that people are less into the sport. And, and you got to be careful about connecting those two. Um, you know, maybe people are less into watching their TVs. That, that's a fair statement. But it doesn't mean people are less into the sport. We're talking with DraftKings CEO Jason Robbins. Fantasy sports, and I've always said this, it forces people, something you said earlier, it forces people to do their homework about the sport. Like for the NFL, for instance, it's way more than just cheering for the home team. I'm, I'm a fan of the Detroit Lions. Don't bet the Lions. Yeah, we, we, won't, we won't talk about business at the dinner table after that debacle. But, but one thing about fantasy sports, you have to do the homework. You have to know the... The tight end, Austin Safarian Jenkins. You have to wonder, do I pick this guy oh. up? You see? That's <laughs> what I'm saying. I don't do the homework. <laughs> In daily fantasy sports, there's a lot to do, uh, a lot to go through, and it's a great hobby uh, if that's your thing. Can you comment on that? No, I agree. I mean, I think that for the right type of person, that's a lot of what makes it fun. Um, you know, they can they can get an advantage by, uh, you know, finding the angle others don't. Uh, what's nice about fantasy sports is, especially in football, it's so mainstream now that there's just a ton of easily findable, I mean, just a Google search away resources that you can find that give you a lot of really quick-to-digest analysis and can make you competitive. So um, that's, I think, been helpful with drawing more people in. You can sit down for 30 minutes on a Sunday morning, 
And if you know, you know how to use Google, and you can probably find a lot of the same information that, that people five years, ten years ago uh, were having a harder time finding, and was giving more of an edge to the the players who would put the time in. But you know, you still have to be somebody who likes doing that. There's still the act of sitting down, and even if it's twenty, thirty minutes, spending it doing that. And I think that over time, it'll be easier and easier to find that information. But you still have to like that. And, there's a lot of overlap with people who like doing that and people who like doing the same thing to figure out who to bet on. Um, but there's an audience of people that, that, that just want to be able to sit down and play right away and not have to do that. And we recognize that and we're continuing to try to evolve our products to meet that audience. Which brings me to the next point. You talk about the preparation. You can go on Google for 30 minutes or there are so many other sites out there that do the homework and it, some, some of it costs money. There's a lot of business involved with that, the ancillary businesses involved with that, involved with your product that you bring to the table. Can you comment more? Oh, that's true. I mean, I think that with any new industry, which Daily Fantasy Sports was and now sports betting, maybe not a new industry, but a, a, a newly un, uh, brought into a legal and regulated light industry, um, there's a variety of other uh, industries around it that, that develop, and that's no different here. There's data services, uh, there's content, um, there you know everything from the Amazon Web Services and Akamai security products we use that all have to evolve and develop. There's payment processing. There's so many different things that people don't think about, and one of them, like you said, is all of the advice sites and. Uh, subscription services are a part of it. A lot of it's out there for free, too. But, um, you know, both ad-supported and subscription-supported content is a big industry in this space. Jason, you guys are out there raising money. Um, give us a sense of how those conversations have gone. I imagine they're a little different than the last time uh, you were out there shopping. Uh, we don't really comment on those things. You know, we're not actually confirming or, or, or commenting on whether we're raising money right now. But, I can tell you there is a lot of investor interest. Um, you know, it's, it's, I think it, there, there's certainly a lot to understand, but everyone kind of gets that this is a big market and it's going to grow a lot in the next several years. And, um, you know, I think that's, that's an exciting place to be for us. We, that, that's the opportunity uh, as an entrepreneur you want and, and you, you hope for. And we got lucky that we're handed that. We're, we're going to make the most of it and, and try to grow this thing into a really big business and create a lot of really positive experiences for customers along the way. And we think if we do that, then, you know, it's a pretty nice investment story as well. But um, that's not really something we're focusing on right now. We're really trying to make sure we have the best product in the market and make sure that we're ahead of the competition on the marketing side and uh, I think if we do those things, everything else will fall in order. Jason, you said lucky. I mean, is is that true? Or in the original deck for DraftKings, when you're out there looking for funding, was there a portion of it that said sports betting at some point will be coming to the U.S.? Well, you can always put yourself in a position to be lucky, but I don't, you know, I, I can't take credit for sports betting coming to the U.S. There were some things that maybe we did to help further the discussion, but at the end of the day, there were nine individuals in the Supreme Court that overall decided that this should happen, and um, probably in a lot of ways for reasons that had nothing to do with sports betting. It was more constitutional law, and uh, that sounds pretty lucky to me if you're us uh, and sitting in that position, but we'll take it. 
most industries feel like a, a zero-sum game. Certainly, Daily Fantasy had the feeling that it was two giants kind of competing to be the one that emerges. Sports gambling is a, a little different. I think at this point there are seven apps available in New Jersey. To be totally honest, some of those companies I, I'd never even heard of. When you look at the, the long-term future of this industry, are there two major players? Are there seven major players? Kind of what are you jockeying for position for? How do you see it looking as we move forward? You know, in the very beginning uh, of Daily Fantasy Sports, it was a lot like this. There was just so many. It felt like every day there was a new one launching that I, I wasn't aware of. And in this case, there's so many incumbents in the gaming industry that already do sports betting in some form in Nevada or elsewhere in, in Europe that it's going to be even more so. So I think it'll start off that way. Um, if you look at how it's evolved in the U.K., which is a more mature market, there was a period of time, you know, for the first several years where the whole market was growing so fast that there were lots of upstarts and um, new companies disrupted and emerged. And then it went through a period which is currently uh, in the midst of probably more towards the tail end of now consolidation. Um, so I think you'll see a similar pattern here where there's a lot of competition initially. It'll all depend, of course, on states allow for on that front if they allow it to be competitive by allowing for multiple companies to get into the space. But assuming that happens, it'll be very competitive initially. And um, then I think you'll see consolidation down the road. And given that, how important is it for you to be first in new markets? I think a lot of people were surprised that the first mobile app available in New Jersey was the DraftKings app. Is there How much value is there to being the first mover, the first available download in new jurisdictions? Well, for us in particular, I think it's of the utmost importance because we have such a large existing customer base with our daily fantasy product in, in all these states. So, um, you know, not only are we it's just important, you're right, in general to be first and to get a head start, but every day that we're not in market that our competition is, our days that give reason for our customers to say, hey, we're not getting the products we want out of DraftKings. We're going to go look elsewhere. And we're very cognizant of that. We've tried to make sure that, that really there's nothing that we don't offer that we we know our competitors do. And, um, you know, that's giving people a good quality experience is important, but also making sure you actually have the products that they want is important. We're chatting with Jason Robbins, the CEO of DraftKings. Jason, two of your investors, Bob Kraft, owner of the Patriots, Jerry Jones of the Cowboys. Have you gotten any indication that the league may switch up its rules, forbidding their ownership, that they may have to divest? No, they don't talk to me about that. I mean, you know, I when I do get the, the fortunate chance to talk to either of them, I, I usually am getting advice on a business matter or something like that, but they, they don't talk to me about that stuff. All right, what, what's Jerry and Bob telling you? Give me the best business advice they give you. Well, I'll tell you something Jonathan Kraft told me, because I think this was probably the best piece of business advice anybody's ever given me. Um, Jonathan is Robert's son. and uh, He's the head of the NFL's digital, digital committee, so he's certainly part of uh, where your business is headed, as a matter of fact. That's right. He, he knows uh, more about this than most of the league. So he told me when we were getting attacked by regulators, he said, you know, you go deal with that, but put a team of people on figuring out what you can innovate on product now, because all your competition is going to be focusing on just trying to stay, you know, head above water. And you got to do that, too. But this is the time where you're going to have the most opportunity to really get out ahead of the thinking and, and progress there. And um, that was just great advice. I think that was when we gained the most market share and when we made the most. He, he was right. And 
um, you know, it's easy to get swallowed up when it feels like there's something big going on that's all consuming, but making sure that you're thinking about what a year, two years, three years, five years from now looks like is always important. Well, since we're looking ahead two, three, five years down the road, what about an IPO? Um, you know, we're not really sure at this point. So much depends on how fast this market develops, which also in part depends on how fast the states decide to, to legalize and regulate sports betting. And um, I think, you know, a lot of that will dictate, and that's not within our control what the timeline for, for something like that could be. So at this point, we're really just focusing on trying to make sure we have the best product and we, we grow and, and, and learn uh, how, to, how to be number one in, in this new industry. And hopefully it'll develop at a, a rapid pace and those types of opportunities will present themselves. But we'll make sure that, that either way we're prepared. And we have a good group of investors that's patient that understands the big opportunity ahead of us. And, um, you know, they all just want to do whatever's right for the company. So I, I think we're very fortunate to be in a position where we can kind of wait and see how things play out on that front. Were they patient the entire time, or when the Attorney General was taking action, did your phone ring a little bit more than usual? <laughs> it rang a little more than usual, but everybody was <laughs> great. I mean, I have to say that everybody involved at the company was an absolute pro, and uh, we're very lucky because it's it makes a big difference if you have people that are breathing down your neck and uh, making it hard to execute and do your job. Then that makes a big difference versus what we had, which is just a you know very professional. Um, obviously, they wanted to know what was going on and they wanted to help where they could, but but nobody panicked and everyone just said kind of stay course and then, you know that that was the right strategy. Well, Jason, we'd love to talk with you more, but I got to run out of here and try to put a million dollar lineup winning strategy together <laughs> for <laughs> and see if Ryan Fitzpatrick can do the same thing that he did last weekend. CEO. That would be nice. Oh, who, yeah. Who is that tight end again? Austin Safarian Jenkins. All right. Thank you. Jaguars. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, see, you guys know more than I do about this stuff. <laughs> DraftKings CEO, Jason Robbins, thank you so much, sir, for talking with us. Thanks for having me. Takeaways. Biggest thing that I think about, guys about what happened with DraftKings when they put out those 2015 ads. You can win a million dollars. Well, all of a sudden, states and regulators were saying, hey, wait a minute, well, what the heck is this? Because fantasy sports was flying under the radar until then. Yeah, my takeaway is nobody cares about fantasy sports anymore, Bar. And he won't like the other, except you. You, you. you went heavy on fantasy sports. What do you say, two years and sports betting revenue will exceed the fantasy sports, this company is now full-fledged, <laughs> behind, full-throttle, open them up, V12 engine, sports betting. Yeah, I was even surprised that he said it was going to take that many more big states before. Four or five states? Yeah, before yeah. you know the, the, the sports betting revenue eclipses the daily fantasy revenue. Some numbers in from New Jersey this week, more than $95 million, uh was wagered in, in sports books in August in New Jersey. When does it uh, pass Vegas? I think it already it may already have. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, it's going to happen soon if it hasn't yeah. happened already. Uh, of that, DraftKings had a significant amount of, of the uh, of the revenue. First mover status. You hit it. You they, hit they it in the, the show. Ones. That first mover status Absolutely. mattered. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, this is going to be a much bigger part of their business than DFS is, and, and shortly. My goal is to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming of since kids. It feels better to be number one than number five. I wear the number because of Mike. We have a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first started wearing that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business of Sports, the number of the week. Time now for the number of the week, three. 
three. Number of hosts of this show. Well, Number of points good. Steph Curry gets for most of his shots. Oh. <laughs> actually, that's pretty good. And actually, you're not that far out of the ballpark. <laughs> the we number of times I will make the service person go back to refill my shrimp order at the Red Lobster Endless Shrimp Meal. All right. Yeah, cold. Just cold. <laughs> so no. Ice cold, man. <laughs> Evan was fairly close. Really? Hey, let's give it up. WNBA, they won the championship to the Seattle Storm, their third WNBA title. Hey, Brianna Stewart and Sue Bird on the same team. I don't see how you lose. Yeah. Sue Bird. That's yeah. all. That's pretty much Sue, all I know. Sue Bird is the word. <laughs> you said Sue Bird. I was Sue Bird say and Sue Brianna Bird. Stewart. I mean, come on. I don't I don't see if if you need like, you know, everybody's trying to get a big three in the NBA these days, I'll take Sue Bird and Brianna Stewart on my team any day. You know, by the way, fantasy sports, they follow WNBA. Yeah. And so, and do you, you do you him, play you WNBA fantasy sports? If you know what, because people don't follow it, that actually is the sport to make some money on. Right, there's the opportunity. Yeah. Bar giving out secrets here. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, hey, you've been listening to the business of sports right here on Bloomberg Radio. We are here each and every week at the same time, plus online as an Apple podcast. You can catch that Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. Big Bar. I'm Evan Novi Williams. You can find me on Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. Soon to be Uncle Evan, and I'm Scott Soshnick. You can follow me on Twitter at Soshnick. Thank you very much for joining us. Please tune in next week when we speak with the biggest and brightest in the sports business industry. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world and online as an Apple podcast on iTunes. Bye.